Shavuot, Yud Chet Hamad Bet, Yud Tet Hamad Aleph. Rather dive and lie. En l'cha davar omed b'fli b'kuach nefesh. What are the limits of integrity or what are, what are the limits of anything? It's important to appreciate that people are not differentiated by their values. Uh, many years ago, I did, I did research and came to the conclusion that many prisoners in prison for terrible crimes have a, the same or similar value system as the Pope. People are not differentiated by the values. We all believe in honesty and integrity and fairness, even the people who are in jail for terrible crimes. And the way, the way I tested it was I asked them, how would you bring up your children? Would you want your children to be honest or to be dishonest like you? No, I want them to be honest. But if you want your children to be honest, that means you believe in honesty. So that was a very important chiddush, which I've used in, in, in my professional work ever since. So what differentiates pe people? What differentiates people is not their values. What differentiates people is their character. Character means how much are you willing to pay to uphold your values. That's where people are different. We all believe in honesty. But what's the point at which you start to become dishonest? Dis that's what you have to test. And it was in those early days when I was doing that work, companies were spending millions of, of dollars on their corporate values. And my argument was, it makes no difference what your corporate values are. All, most companies have the same kind of corporate values, at least at that time they did. Uh, what the difference is, is to what kind of culture have you built when it comes to the question of what price are you willing to pay? There's the famous story of uh, Johnson and Johnson with the Tylenol thing. You'll remember it's been a case study ever, ever since. Uh, when, when the Tylenol was found to, there were packets of Tylenol found, found all over the United States that caused death. People died. And until they discovered what the cause was, what had happened, somebody was tampering with them, but they didn't know at the time, they pulled Tylenol off, off, off the shelves. And I have the minutes of the board meeting at which they decided to do so. And it was the belief of the board when they made that decision that Johnson Johnson would fail, that the company would fold. And the decision was, but our, but our purpose in life is to save lives. It's not to kill people. So what right have we got to exist if our product is killing people? So the ethical thing is to take it off the shelves. We'll worry about Johnson Johnson later. That was their discussion. That was the, that's an example of I'm willing to pay any price for my values, uh, which, which most companies aren't and most people aren't. So when it comes to something like honesty, how far do we go? There's some things you've got to pay the ultimate price for. Uh, these are things, these are things that you've got to even give your life for. So there are values for which you even give your life. What about other values? Uh, what about honesty, integrity? At what point do you, say, do you tell a lie to save yourself? Uh, and, and where's that line of, well, to save my life, to save my family, to save my business, to save money? Where, where's that point where you where you draw the line and say, no matter what, I won't tell a lie. That's um, some of the Gomorrah we've got to do here. And the interesting thing is you'll see in the Gomorrah that we're doing here and the piece that we're, that we're doing today, we're going to learn a fortune from Havaminas. Havaminas is a, an initial assumption which the Gomorrah later rejects. And, and the tendency is just to go by what's the con conclusion, what's the Gomorrah's conclusion. But there are amazing things. One of the very amazing things that my Rosh Hashiva taught me was how much you can learn from a Havamina. The fact that the Gemara re records the dialogue means that even though for some reason the, the, the assumption was pushed aside in the process of the dialogue, but the dialogue itself is to be learned from. 
And the initial assumptions have to be learned from. There are principles there which, ha- which are not pushed aside. There are technicalities that push it aside, but not the principle. And here we get an example. So this is really the Gemara starts with a mission on the previous staff, where we have the case of Ha'edim Sha'amru. What can go wrong with a document? If you've got a document with witnesses signed on it, that's pretty solid evidence. The only thing you can claim is it's a fraud. The document is a fake. So we have Kiyum Shtarot, which we have to sometimes bring evidence that the, wit- that the signatures of the witnesses are genuine and they're not, they're not fraudulent. One of the ways is the witnesses themselves, if they're still around, can come before Basin and say, yes, this is our, our signature. We remember signing on this document. So Aedim Shamruk Tav Yadenu who's there, but if they say, they say yes, this is our signature, but we were forced to sign. They believed. But if we know in any event that it's their, that, that it's their signature, um, or we can compare their signature to other signatures that they've made, they're not believed. The principle of the mission is if the only authority we have is their opinion, we have no other proof, then they can modify their opinion as they want and qualify their opinion as they want. And we've got to take their qualified opinion, not just their first statement. So we don't know if this is their signature or not. The only way we know that it's their signature is because they tell us it's their signature, but they say we were forced. Well, then you've got to accept we were forced. So Gemara goes on to say, uh, That's all very well if they say we were forced by threat of death. But if people forced us and said, we'll take your money away, if you don't sign, they're not believed, my time why? We have a principle in the, in, in the Gemara and in Halacha. A person cannot say something that incriminates himself. And all these cases, in, in, particularly in the United States, I'm not sure about here, of, of, of people who are, they get plea bargains out of them. So, uh, plea guilty and then you will only get and the number of people who are innocent who plea guilty just to, to, because otherwise they're going to be in terrible trouble just to go through the process we don't have a, a, a guilty plea in the, in the terror you can't plea guilty we don't accept a guilty plea it's an, an, an unbelievable system we'll see in a moment why not so, so if a person says they, they p- persuaded me with money they bribed me to sign this no matter how much the bribe was that we won't accept because then you're saying, I told a lie for many. That means you're a Rasha. And we don't believe people to say that they are ashamed. The Gemara then brings a Meir. Rabbi Meir says they're not, they're not believed to make them a Pasul and the Chachamim say they are believed. It's because of Pesha, Sarwa, Pesha, That's Since they are the authors of the of the statement, they can qualify the statement. But why does Rabbi Meir say that they're not believed? Answers the Gemara on Adaf, says Rabbi, uh, says Rav Chiste, Rabbi Meir holds, Edim she'amru lahem chitmu sheker, v'al tehargu yehargu v'al yachtmu sheker. Rabbi Meir says an amazing thing. If witnesses are threatened with death to sign a false document, they should give their lives rather than sign. Ask the Gemara, how can that be? If they were to ask us a shaila, we would say to them, you can't sign, you, you've got to sign. Because how can, we, how can we accept this? And the Gemara moves off it. But what I want to explore is this Havamir. What is it that we're saying that it's possible that Rabbi Meir holds that even though we're told that there are only three things for which you have to give your life, 
maybe for signing falsely, that's also something which you have to give your life for. And Rashi says, uh, and therefore, Rabbi Meir holds, if they come to us and tell us a story, yes, this is our, our signature, but a gun was head at our, held at our head, literally. We would have died if we didn't sign. That's also making themselves shame, says Rabbi Meir, in this, in this phase of the Gomorrah. Rabbi Meir would say, for a person to say, I, I signed under duress, what duress? I would have died if I didn't sign. You're making yourself a Rasha, we can't believe you. Explains Rashi. What, what is this idea of, of um, There's a, a, an important Rashi we had back in Yevamot, on Daf Kafhei Amut Beis, where Rashi said, We don't believe people who are relatives. We don't let a relative give evidence. How can you give evidence about yourself? And and those who, who are with me for the for the medrash here on Shabbat will understand it even even more clearly. Although I've never seen that explanation given, but it seems possibly clear in this in this Rashi that if we had this whole thing with the the tshuva of the of the Rimi Gash, with the story about the Rif, where he wouldn't get involved in a case where he had had some kind of benefit, and and we talked about the the principle of Bor Shishatita Mimenu Lo Tashlich Bo Evan, don't throw a rock into a into a well from which you've Drank, and we explained that principle on Shabbos. Um, what, what that idea really is to be able to to do something negative, even if you're right, a hundred percent right. It's the riff who's going to paskin a halacha. Surely he's not going to paskin wrongly, and yet he wouldn't paskin for because of the possibility of having to paskin against. A, an object, in this case, a bathhouse from which he had had some benefit. But the same with a with a human being. I get benefit from myself all the time. I'm alive. I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for me. Obviously, this is my life. How can I be expected or believed to talk against myself? Just as I can't talk against somebody that I'm close to or something I've benefited from. So certainly I'm not, the halakha will not give credence to, to something where I'm undermining myself, the very source of my life. Uh, we, we, we wouldn't put a person in such a, in such a situation. So that's the principle of Ein Adam Mesimatz Morasha, which leads a discussion in the Rishonim uh, where the Ritvo articulates the question. They all deal with it, but the Ritvo articulates the question. It says, Where do we see that Rabbi Meir could have such a view? We know throughout Shas that there are only three things that stand in the way of Pikuach Nefesh, that only three things for which you have to give your life, but everything else, your life comes first. Where do we get it from? That maybe Rabbi Meir holds that in this case as well, to sign falsely on a document, you should rather give your life. Where does that come from? Ask the Ritvo. Says Toysfus in Avoidazora, there's an amazing Toysfus, a well known Toysfus, and Machlokas Toysfus and Rambam. The Toysfus says, Im ratzalach afilu mitzvot rashai. This that you only have to give your life for three things is a heter, it's not a halocha. It means you should give your life for everything in the Torah. But we understand if you don't, except for three things. There you've got to give your life. Which means it's actually a midat chasidut that it's it's understandable. A person would want to give their life for for anything in the Torah. It's interesting. I was learning in the in the Chish yesterday that, that I go to about a, a comment of Rav Cook that um, 
It, it's inherent in the Jewish soul, and not just in the Jewish soul, in the human soul, to understand we belong to the Rebbeinu Shalom and we'll give our lives for the Rebbeinu Shalom. And that's why people give their lives for all sorts of causes. If they lose their belief in Hashem, they substitute it very often with another belief and they'll give their lives for their country, for communism, for socialism, for freedom, for democracy. This idea that there's something bigger than me for which I must even give my life is something which is inherent in the neshama. It's something the neshama knows that, that I don't have a right to live if I'm going to compromise that for which I'm living. And, and says the, the Tosfus, that for which you're living is the Torah. If that's for which you're living is the Torah, then you've got to give your life for the, for the Torah as well. Whatever, whatever it is in the Torah, says Tosfus, says the Rambam, no, the Rambam has a different view. Call me if a person gives his life, is willing to give his, to, to, to give his life for a mitzvah other than the three, that in itself is guilty of death. That in itself is a capital offense. You can't give your life for something that the Torah said, don't give your life for. It's suicide. It's a form of suicide, absolutely. Um, the Ritvo goes on to say, they thought you have to give your life for it. So in their minds, they're, they're saying, I am a Rasha. Because the truth is, I believed you have to give your life for, for not signing a false document. Why? Listen to this. It is common ethical acceptance. Many people would give their lives rather than give false evidence. If you're being forced to give evidence against your friend and you know it's false, even if it's a life, there's an ethic that would say you don't do that no matter what. And I thought, said that, says the aide, that that's what the Torah holds. That's, even non-Jews know that principle. Certainly I would have thought the Torah does. But we see that the Torah puts a limit on what you can give your life for. Not only does the Torah tell us to give our lives, and according to Tzuspas, that means voluntarily on anything in the Torah, but according to the Rambam, no. Life comes for your, your life comes first because with your life you'll serve Hashem in all sorts of other ways, and you can't give your life for anything other than these three things. For Chai Bahem, you've got to live in Torah, not give your, not give your life away to Torah. You've got to take care of your life, and, and that's how the limit we put. But without the Torah we would give our lives for everything. Because if you believe it's right, if you believe that's the ethical thing, how can you use deceit to save yourself? It'd save your money, save your life. The whole system collapses if people would do that. So without halakha, the, 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 without Torah, we would have done as many people do, says, says the ritual. Believe that when it comes to integrity, even you give your life. That's a chidush in the Torah. The Torah says, oh, no, only three things you can give your life for, not, not for this. Rashbor goes further and says, The Rashbor discovers a Tosefta, which we don't have. And he says, in the Tosefta it says, There three things that stand in the way of uh, giving your life. You, the, only these three things you give your life for. Rabbi Meir Omer Af HaGoyzel, Rabbi Meir says, and theft as well. So there's actually a Tosefta which the Ashbor found where Rabbi Meir holds that Gezel is, is one of them. Why Gezel exactly of all the Averis? 
So there's an interesting Rashi in Bovakama. In Shmuel Beis, there's a list of David HaMelech's heroes. And one of them was Agei ben Harari. And it, there, it tells us there was a case there. The Plishtim came to wipe out the Jewish people. And the nation fled. The army fled. They scattered. They were terrified of the Plishtim. Uh, but this Shama uh, ben this ben Shama ben Agei Harari stood in the field and protected it. Vayachet aplishtim and he smote the plishtim. Vayas Hashem tshuagdola and Hashem saved him. How could he do that? How could he risk his life to save a field? Says Rashi in in Bovakama. Shelo yisrefu ahoil veasur lahatzil etatzmo bemamon chaveiro. It's not that there's one extra, there are three Averis you've got to give your life for, and there's a fourth Aver according to Rabbi Meir Gezel. No, this is a different principle. The principle here is, you can't save yourself with somebody else's property. That's going beyond that. You can save yourself with your own resources. But to use resources that aren't your own, even to save your life, says Rashi, there's a principle, you don't do that. And Rabbi Meir holds that, holds that halacha. Uh, as I said, this is not the way the Gemara concludes. The Gemara concludes, we stay with this, that there are only three things for which you give your life, and we pass them like the Rambam, you're not allowed to give your life or anything else. But to see the Gemara's discussion and concept and the possibilities of reasoning, that Gezel is so serious, that dishonesty, taking something that isn't yours, is so serious, that according to Rabbi Meir, it's one of the things you give your life for, that Rashi brings in Bovakama that there's a principle that you don't save yourself with somebody else's money, and he brings that, seems to be a to Rashi La'alocha, maybe he holds Lactosvis. And, um, and, and we see that the Gemara goes through this have a minute, perhaps that's a part of Ein Adam, is much more Rashaf. A man says, I signed falsely because there was a gun at my head, maybe he's declaring himself as a Rasha. That's how bad it is. Maybe he's a Rasha. No, the Gemara comes, he's not a Rasha because of the reasons that we've said. But there's a have a minute, there is a possibility to, to consider mm-hmm. that, that dishonesty and deceit causing somebody else a loss to save your life is so serious that it's even called, considered reshut. And there we see these, these boundary lines that Halakha imposes, uh, but, but also to see how serious integrity is and how far we're willing to go in the discussion to consider the possibility that integrity is even something for which one has to give one's life. Mm-hmm.